0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the CAE third quarter conference call. Please be advised that this call is being recorded. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Andrew Aravitz. Please
1: go ahead. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Before we begin, I'd like to remind you that today's remarks, including management's outlook and answers to questions, contain forward-looking statements. These forward-looking statements represent our expectations as of today, February 11, 2022, and accordingly are subject to change. Such statements are based on assumptions that may not materialize and are subject to risks and uncertainties. Actual results may differ materially, and listeners are cautioned not to place undue reliance on these forward-looking statements. A description of the risks, factors, and assumptions that may affect future results is contained in CA's annual MD&A, available on our corporate website and on our filings with the Canadian Securities Administrators on CDAR and the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission on EDGAR. On the call with me this afternoon are Marc Farrant, CA's President and Chief Executive Officer, and Sonia Branco, our Chief Financial Officer. After remarks from Mark and Sonia, we'll take questions from financial analysts and institutional investors, and following the conclusion of that Q&A period, we'll open the call to questions from members of the media.
2: Let me now turn the call over to Mark. Thank you, Andrew, and good afternoon to everyone joining us on the call. I'm very pleased with our third quarter performance, especially in the context of a still challenging global environment. We delivered double-digit growth, strong free cash flow, and we nearly doubled order intake compared to the third quarter of last year. On a consolidated basis, we grew revenue by 15% before the contribution of our ventilator humanitarian initiative last year. We also grew adjusted segment operating income by 16% and delivered $0.19 of adjusted earnings per share. Underscoring the cash-generative profile of our business, we delivered a healthy $282 million of free cash flow. We also made excellent progress on the orders front, building even more forward momentum with nearly $1.4 billion in orders for a book-to-sales ratio of 1.62 times and a backlog of $9.2 billion. In civil... We have strong performance with double-digit growth in training and segment operating income, and we had margins break above 20% for the first time since the start of the pandemic. Third quarter average training center utilization was 60%, up from 50% last year, and was seven percentage points higher than last quarter. To me, this is an impressive result, considering a wide-ranging disparity in commercial flight activity and training demand across regions, and because Omicron began to spread in the last month of the quarter. As we've been seeing since the start of the fiscal year, demand in the Americas was by far the strongest, while Europe and especially Asia Pacific continued to lag the recovery, leading, leaving significant headroom to return to pre pandemic levels. In business aviation, training demand was also robust. Reflecting the high level of flight activity, which was above 2019 levels in the United States and Europe. We had very strong order activity in civil in the third quarter, booking training solutions contracts valued at $753 million or a 1.93 book to sales ratio, including 19 full flight simulator sales. This is in sharp contrast to the 11 full flight simulator orders that we booked for the entire fiscal year, last year, and brings our uh, full-flight simulator sales for the first nine months to 33. Since the end of the quarter, we signed orders for another four, bringing the year-to-date tally to 37 full-flight simulators sold. Consistent with the more advanced air travel recovery in the Americas, over 60% of the year-to-date totals are from customers in that region and include full flight simulator orders from major U.S. carriers, from actually all major U.S. carriers, including orders for multiple full flight simulators for some of the largest United Airlines this quarter. Our airline customers in the Americas have been adding back flight capacity and actively ramping up pilot hiring. In order to secure the training capacity that they require, They've been working with CAE as their training partner of choice entering new long-term training agreements and acquiring additional simulators. We think this makes for a compelling preview of what an eventual broader global market recovery holds for CAE. Notable training contracts for the quarter include five-year extensions of commercial aviation training agreements with Endeavour Air and Avianca, a nine-year commercial aviation training agreement with Norwegian as well as five-year business aviation training agreements with Global Jet Luxembourg, ExoJet, and VistaJet. In defense, we also had double-digit growth in the quarter with the contribution of L3 Harris military training, and as we expected, we surpassed the $30 million mark in adjusted segment operating income. I'm especially pleased with our order intake which totaled $593 million in the quarter or a 1.39 times book to sales ratio and a $4.6 billion backlog. We seized on the opportunity of the temporary relaxations in pre-Omicron COVID-19 restrictions. And as a result, our international book to sales ratio was above one for the first time since the start of the pandemic. In addition to the positive book to sales, we're also seeing more conversion on our defense strategy to pursue multi-domain training and mission support solutions. Orders to date included, included competitive prime awards, recompese, and contract expansions across all five domains, air, land, sea, space, and cyber. In the air domain, we strengthened our international presence with the German Air Force's competitive selection to provide ad-initial pilot training, replacing the 60-year incumbent. Along with this new live flight training program, we also expanded our relationship with the United States Navy's Chief of Naval Air Training, or SINATRA, by adding T-45 live flight training to our instructional services contract. Beyond live flight training, we were awarded the 19-year Base Plus Options contract from an Australian customer to provide integrated support and training on a range of strategic platforms. Other contract expansions including Ford task orders on our simulator common architecture requirements and standard or SCARS single award IDIQ as the U.S. Air Force accelerates the integration and standardization of approximately 2,400 simulators across 300 locations. Since the end of the quarter, We've made additional notable progress to broaden our position beyond our core defense, air, land, and sea programs by winning our first competitive prime contracts in cyber and space. We were selected by Canada's Department of National Defense to expand cyber intrusion detection capabilities on the Innovation for Defense Excellence and Security or IDEAS program, and we were awarded our first prime simulation contract in the space domain with a key U.S. customer. These strategic cyber and space prime contracts, along with our first U.S. intelligence community competitive prime win in the second quarter, are great examples of how we're building our defense business for the future by establishing it as the world leading platform agnostic training and simulation pure play ensuring mission readiness by integrating solutions across all five domains. And finally in healthcare, we delivered our fourth consecutive quarter of double digit year over year revenue growth, excluding the ventilators, as we ramp up our re-energized organization with a clear focus on achieving greater scale. We launched updates to expand the feature set and functionality of some of our main product solutions, including learning space, our Simulation Center Management System, and Vimedix, our ultrasound education platform. We also introduced 11 new on-demand online digital courses featuring virtual, virtual simulation in collaboration with the British Columbia Institute of Technology. With that, I'll now turn the call over to Sonia. who will provide additional details about our financial performance. I'll return at the end of the call to comment on our outlook. Sonia?
3: Thank you, Mark, and good afternoon, everyone. We delivered double-digit year-over-year growth and strong free cash flow during the third quarter, notwithstanding the ongoing challenges of the pandemic. Our performance reflects CA's resiliency and the strengths in some of our end markets, as well as our excellent progress to expand our reach and lower our cost structure. Consolidated revenue of $848.7 million was 2% higher compared to the third quarter last year and was 15% higher excluding the $93.5 million of revenue in the third quarter last year from a contract to provide the Canadian government with ventilators as part of our COVID-19 humanitarian initiative. Adjusted segment operating income was $112.7 million, compared to $97.2 million last year. And quarterly adjusted net income was $60.7 million, or 19 cents per share, compared to 22 cents per share in the third quarter last year. We incurred restructuring, integration, and acquisition costs of $47.2 million during the quarter related to the L3 Harris military training acquisition and the enterprise-wide restructuring program underway. Cash provided by operating activities this quarter was up 32% to $309.6 million, compared to $234.8 million in the third quarter of fiscal 2021. Pre-cash flow was also higher at $282.1 million compared to $224 million in the third quarter last year. The increase was mainly due to a lower investment in non-cash working capital, partially offset by cash payments of approximately $38 million related to the integration and acquisition costs of our recently acquired businesses and costs associated with our restructuring program. Growth and maintenance capital expenditures totaled $76.9 million this quarter, mainly for growth, and specifically to add capacity to our global training network to deliver on the long-term exclusive training contract in our backlog. Our Growth CapEx is directly linked to our opportunities to invest incremental capital with attractive returns and free cash flows. With several attractive market led expansion investment opportunities on the horizon, we continue to expect total capital expenditures to be more than two hundred and fifty million dollars in fiscal twenty twenty two. Income tax expense this quarter was $2.6 million for an effective tax rate of 8% compared to an effective tax rate of nil for the third quarter last year. The income tax rate was impacted by restructuring integration and acquisition costs this quarter, and excluding these costs, the income tax rate this quarter was 20%, which is the rate used as a basis to determine the adjusted net income of $60.7 million and adjusted EPS of 19 cents. Our net debt position at the end of the quarter was approximately $2.3 billion for a net debt to total capital ratio of 36.5%, and net debt to adjusted EBITDA was 3.23 times at the end of the quarter. We continue to expect interest expense of about $35 million as a quarterly run rate going forward. Now turning to our segmented performance. In civil, third quarter revenue was $390.1 million versus $412.2 million in the third quarter last year. An adjusted segment operating income was up $21.4 million over the third quarter last year to $83.4 million for a margin of 21.4%. This highly improved performance was driven by higher training utilization, predominantly in the Americas, and including our interest in joint ventures, civil training services revenue was approximately 10% higher compared to the third quarter last year. The higher revenue in training was offset by lower products revenue, with the delivery of seven simulators this quarter compared to 10 last year. The lower number of scheduled deliveries in the quarter was expected and is consistent with our outlook for approximately 30 deliveries for the year. Uh, for the year. In defense, third quarter revenue of $426.5 million was up 42% over Q3 last year. This includes $127.9 million from the integration of L3 Harris military training into our financials We indicated on the call call last quarter that we would expect the segment operating income to cross into the $30 million range, and indeed it did by reaching $32 million for the quarter, including $19.6 million from the acquisition for a margin of 7.5%. The organic defense business grew sequentially this quarter, but remained lower compared to last year because of prior period COVID-19 impacts on orders and program, program interruptions, particularly internationally, which have been persistent since the onset of the pandemic. And in healthcare, third quarter revenue was $32.1 million, down from $120.9 million in Q3 last year on a statutory basis, but was up 17% excluding the ventilator contract last year. Adjusted segment operating loss was $2.7 million in the quarter, compared to an income of $12.9 million in Q3 of last year. The decrease from last year was mainly due to the contribution from the ventilators in the prior period and COVID-related labor disruptions and higher costs. We're also running a higher level of sg and expenses to help accelerate top-line growth with a view to sustainable scale and profitability. With that, I will ask Mark to discuss the way forward.
2: Thanks, Sonia. As we look to the period ahead, we continue to see a clear path to emerge from the pandemic a larger, more resilient, and more profitable CA than ever before. Testimony to that, we're already delivering stronger financial performance, expanding and optimizing our position, and booking substantial orders. Pandemic-related headwinds may persist for some time, including supply chain disruptions, employee and customer absenteeism due to COVID-19 infections, Operational constraints imposed by local authorities and intermittent border restrictions. <clears throat> the emergence and rapid spread of the Omicron variant this past December has certainly extended the timeline to a broad global recovery, but has not changed our position in our positive view of C's potential as our end markets eventually open, more up, open up more broadly as we emerge from the pandemic. In civil, a greater desire by airlines to entrust CAE with their critical training in digital operational support and crew management needs, higher expected pilot demand, and strong growth in business jet travel demand are enduring positives, underpinning a secular growth market. The global recovery continues to be narrowly led by the Americas, which means significant upside remains for a more global recovery. And we think the Americas provide a preview of the kind of demand to follow in other regions when conditions permit. Since the end of the quarter, we've had to contend with Omicron related employee customer absenteeism. However, the Americas are still strongest and we're currently seeing some increased demand for training solutions in Europe as COVID-19 related travel restrictions begin to ease and airlines plan for what they expect will be a more robust summer travel season and beyond. As an example, EasyJet just recently announced the drive to hire 1,000 new pilots over the next five years with CAE as their training partner of choice. Asia Pacific is currently the most challenging region with relatively low levels of flight activity and training demand as Omicron now makes its way through that region. Overall. Since the the end of the quarter, our training centers have been holding at about 60% average utilization levels globally. In business aviation, we remain bullish on the long term, and we believe that the market is experiencing a structural expansion with 3.3 million flights worldwide in 2021, the most on record for a single year. COVID-19 headwinds bear mentioning here as well, as Omicron and quarantine requirements were disruptive to our schedule in January for both our customers and CA instructors. But we look to be back on trend, and we're seeing strong demand for training propelled by robust flight activity in the United States and Europe. And in simulation products, we're encouraged by the higher projected delivery rates of new aircraft coming off manufacturer's production lines, as one of, of course, the main drivers for full-flight simulator sales. We're seeing higher demand, as evidenced by this quarter's full-flight simulator order intake, coming mainly from customers in the Americas and Europe, and we expect to maintain our leading share of the market. The unevenness of the global recovery is likely to continue for some time, but we're ultimately in an excellent position to benefit for so the multi year cyclical market recovery that's currently underway. We continue to expect strong growth in civil for the current fiscal year overall. In defense, the paradigm shift from asymmetric to near peer threat and a recognition of the sharply increased need for digital immersion based synthetic solutions across all five domains in national defense are tailwinds that favor C's business. Given the increasing relevancy of training assimilation, our defense unit is also on a multi-year path to becoming a larger and more profitable business. We're currently focused on the successful integration of L3 Harris military training, and we're on track to fully realize their $35 to $45 million of cost energies that we laid out by fiscal year 2024. The pandemic continues to make international opportunities slower to materialize, but this headwind is temporary, and we have a strong pipeline with some $6.2 billion of bids and proposals pending customer decisions. Our increased orders in the quarter puts defense on the path to achieving over one-time book-to-sales for the, rate for the year for the first time in the last three fiscal years. Our U.S. defense business was also impact, impacted by pandemic-related employee em- STs in January, and it currently faces a temporary budgetary headwind on contract expansions and new program starts as a result of the continuing resolution. Defense is indeed managing through its share of ongoing challenges, but we're moving in the right direction and we remain confident that we'll deliver strong annual growth for fiscal year 2022. And lastly, in healthcare, we're focused on achieving greater scale by gaining share in the simulation training market, and we're car- targeting some of the largest pools of value like nursing. Supply chain restrictions, uh, disruptions, and staffing shortages are a near-term headwind for the business, too, but we continue to expect a double-digit growth for the fiscal year, excluding the ventilator contract. On the ESG front, I want to highlight that CA was included in the 2022 Bloomberg Gender Equality Index for the first, fourth consecutive year. This award recognizes that CA is committed to support gender equality through policy development, representation, and transparency. We're proud to continue building an inclusive workplace every day. In summary, We've been adeptly playing offense during this period of market disruption by investing organically and seizing on nine acquisitions to enhance our position and broaden our market reach. We've also strengthened CA by permanently reducing our cost base across the enterprise. The timeline for a broad global recovery is more extended, but our actions and our performance to date give me even greater confidence that we're on the path to strong, cyclical recovery and secular growth as our markets eventually open and we all emerge from the pandemic. We're delivering on what we said we would do, and I expect CA to continue driving higher levels of profitability on a significantly larger base of business and with a post-pandemic capital structure that will allow us to sustain ample flexibility to further invest in our future. Our opportunity set continues to look very attractive, and I've never been as confident about CA's future as I am today. With that, I thank you for your attention, and we're now ready to answer your questions. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. If
1: you would like to... I'm sorry. Sorry, uh, Operator, before we open the lines to questions, uh, I want to highlight that Mark uh, last month was honored with one of the world's most prestigious (laughs) aviation awards, having been named Industry Leader of the Year by the Living Legends of Aviation. We're very proud of him and how this reflects positively on all of us at CAE, so uh, please do join me in congratulating Mark. Uh, We'd now be pleased to take questions from analysts and institutional investors.
0: Thank you. If you would like to register a question or comment, please press the 1 followed by the 4 on your telephone. You will hear a three-tone prompt to acknowledge your request. If your question has been answered and you would like to withdraw your registration, please press the one followed by the three. One moment, please. And our first question comes from Kevin Chang of CIBC. Please go ahead.
4: Hi, th- thanks for taking my question, and, and I echo Andrew's congratulations there, uh, Mark. Um, m- m- maybe if I could start with uh, the civil uh, margin performance, as you noted, you know. First time during the pandemic, north of uh, north of 20%. D- despite utilization still tracking below pre-pandemic levels, if, if I look at it quarter over quarter, it looks like incremental margins were about 65%. But j- just trying to get a sense of, you know, where do you think the margin trajectory goes here as as utilization, you know, get back to kind of pre-pandemic levels of 70, 75%. You know, could this be a mid 20s uh, SOI margin business given all that you've done? Um, you know, within the mix of revenue
2: there? I, I, I had trouble catching the last part of your question, Kevin, but I think I get the gist and maybe I'll try it and you let me know if I've answered it. Look, I, I think I'm very pleased obviously with the margin performance that we had in the quarter in civil, you know, 21, per, 21.4% margin driven off essentially uh, similar revenue that we had last year. And, and maybe just I'll pause on that. When you look at the revenue, it looks like it's, slightly down relative to last year for, for good reasons of the mixed environment, the fact that we had lower deliveries in, in our products. But uh, remember that we don't we don't want to consolidate JV revenue, and that's not an insignificant number, and that's because of accounting. If you were to add back the uh, JV revenue, you, what you'd be seeing is training revenue is about, up about 10% year over year. But coming back to the margin, look, I, as I said, a Pretty, pretty happy about that. You're going like uh, 18%, I think, to 21%, 21 and .4. I think what you're seeing there is, uh, first of all, the, the the mix of business. You have business aircraft, which I've always said is, is has an attractive margin profile. We have a very good, very nice position in market and business aircraft. Business aircraft is doing great. You're seeing that transpire. You're seeing commercial aviation training in the U.S. doing pretty well and And really, in a big way, what you're seeing is our cost savings, which are structural, coming through the numbers. so that's what you're seeing and of course, we've always said that we fully expect that uh, on you know margins, because of all those reasons that margins going forward should track higher than uh, than we've achieved in the past. I think our peak peak civil margin was just about twenty two percent historically. I would certainly expect to blow through that on a sustained basis. I mean, obviously the one quarter doesn't make a year and it be variable, but that would to me that would be the trend as you get more utilization. Well no, that's, uh, and, that's and I think the last the last thing I'll add of course I said in the remarks is all of that is achieved on a pretty narrowly led recovery that's really United States. So I think that's why you sense my confidence excitement as the broader recovery uh, across the globe you know, comes to bear. No,
4: that, uh, that 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 makes sense. Just turning to defense, I just want to clarify something. So, so if I look at um, you know at the time that you acquired uh, the L3 Harris military training business, if, if memory serves me correct, I, I think at that time you had called out uh, you know uh, EBITDA margins of, of roughly 15%. I think, and, and if I look at know what those margins look like since you've acquired it it, it looks like it helped held them pretty well uh whereas your legacy margins have, have, have tracked about half if not a little bit below pre-pandemic level it, it sounds like you're talking about up to primarily a lot of the international restrictions is, is that primarily the reason for the underperformance in margins and, and you need to see these you know travel restrictions um, get eliminated before they can you know get back to 10 percent. or is there anything else kind of holding those margins back
2: well, I, I think there's a few things in there. I mean, you're, you're, you're absolutely correct, as, as we cited. The defense business is not immune to COVID, uh, both uh, in the l Harris business, particularly in the international side of that business. I mean, the international portion of l Harris business, or the one we've inherited uh, through our crackers, is lower than our organic, organic business, but it's still affected nonetheless. And so it's seen its, its share of impact there, uh, as you couldn't travel to a lot of those locations. Uh, We've also seen some effects of, as I mentioned, the continuous resolution in the United States that that prevents us from having new program starts or expansion of our existing programs. So that has definitely been a headwind, and uh, we hope to see that being resolved uh, pretty quickly. I I could point to contracts that we're on. Like I mentioned, the SCARS contract in in the United States and the the GB, uh, GBSD, the ground-based strategic deterrent, deterrent contract that we're on in the United States for our healthy Harris business, our ex-Heltray Harris business, those are big contracts, and you know because you have the CR, continuous resolution, you're not. I mean, the contractors themselves, if I if I think about the prime contractor on contractor on GBSD, are unable, not able to make progress in enlarging that contract, so that affects us. So, And uh, I don't know, I think maybe add that. Sonia, do you want to add anything to that?
3: Yeah, I'd probably uh, kind of uh, talk to the organic-based business. And and what we talked to, and and this is still the case, uh, the base business, first of all, it did sequentially uh, increase both top and bottom line uh, since last quarter. Um, But as you know, our organic business has a higher proportion of international business. And as Mark just talked, that's the one that's been the most disrupted by COVID, especially international product programs. So, So a couple which are usually higher margins for us. Um, so, first, interrupting execution of existing backlogs, you know, so in certain regions where uh, contract uh, execution is slowed or, or even stopped. Um, and as restrictions lift and programs can restart, uh, that, that will help advance on, uh, on both revenue and, uh, and contribution. But also the impact of delays in order intake, especially on the international side. We've, we've gone um, several years uh, at least uh, definitely since pandemic, with book-to-sales less than one, as contracts are uh, selected, et cetera, but not necessarily moved to award it. Now, we've seen some some good uh, advancement in the quarter with uh, the book-to-sales and the international side going above one. Uh, and so as as those take traction, whether the, um, the restrictions lifted uh, and we secure those delayed orders uh, on the product and international side, uh, and then on, of course, a layer on the continued synergies that, that we're starting to ramp up with the acquisitions, these will contribute to growing uh, both on the top line and the profitability.
4: That's uh, that's helpful. And then just last one for me. You know, uh, I appreciate, um, you know, the pipeline of opportunities you see in healthcare, and, and, and I think there are a lot of, you know, synergies with your core competency in terms of what you're trying to do there. But Maybe explain to me, like, when you have an incremental dollar of capital, why healthcare would be a, an appropriate place to put that versus what you're seeing within civil and defense. It, it just feels like, you know, you got better scale in those businesses. You you, you you can generate, I would imagine, better incremental returns. I, I, I guess it. I guess explain to me what why a dollar to healthcare would
2: make sense versus the other two. Well, I think the, the first thing I'd point to, uh, other than the fact that we continue to strongly believe in in that healthcare will become a more material part of C in the in the not too distant future, that I'm quite confident of that. But I, I think the thing I would point to, to specifically the question of capital deployment, is that the business is largely self funding. I think essentially all self funding, and uh, so uh, it's the question that you asked, there isn't really no no uh, decision to be made with regards to that.
4: Okay, Uh, that's it for me. Thank you very much.
2: Thank you.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from Konark Gupta of Scotiabank. Please go ahead.
5: Thanks and good afternoon afternoon, everyone and and congrats, Mark, uh, on, on your accomplishments. Um, Thank so maybe maybe uh, my first question, uh, just uh, following on the back of Kevin's question on civil margin, obviously, I mean, you saw a pretty strong performance here. I understand this business jet training, which is high yielding, and then cost savings as well going through. But anything non uh, sort of non-recurring in nature you would think are not uh, you know going to recur again in, in Q4 or the future quarters you saw in Q3, perhaps, uh, that you can speak to? Nope.
3: No, Karnak, no, uh, this sorry. is just uh, really, you know, I think a step up in operations, really, you know, a 35% uh, increase in SOI on, on 60, still 60% utilization and lower deliveries. It's, uh, it's really the mix. Uh, you you see the operating leverage uh, that's coming from that, that uh, increase in utilization uh, and the cost savings. So I think uh, there's there's no uh, non-recurring items, just uh, uh, strong performance on the civil side.
2: It's all good stuff, Karnak.
5: Okay, no, I was kind of like more curious about, you know, seasonality in the business, right? Obviously, I mean, you have probably business jet training uh, is stronger in the fourth quarter, and then it kind of drops off in the first half, right, sequentially. So, like, does it does business jet make seasonally seasonality actually more pronounced in margins because of, you know, these dynamics
2: I think, well, we still have the uh, normal seasonality, although it's not as pronounced this year just because of so much disruption across the area. Look, it's too early to say, but I wouldn't expect so. I wouldn't, I would, uh, based on the mix that we have, I I don't expect that we'll see a profound change. At least I don't see any so far. Would you add anything?
3: Well, I I would just caution that, you know, uh, there is always volatility on quarter-to-quarter margins, right, because of the mix and so on. So we, we always kind of give it a view on an annual basis, uh, but, uh, you know, I think there's no there's no
5: uh, significant ups or downs there. Yeah. Okay, no, that's helpful. Thanks. And then a couple of things on defense uh, side of things. Um, so um, it, it rebounded sequentially certainly uh, with, with both margins and revenue. Um, and uh, I, I think uh, last quarter, Sonia, I think you probably would have mentioned uh, you know, you expect something in the 30s uh, shortly and then eventually in the 40s in terms of SOI, uh, what's your visibility now with the kind of recent order intake at defense? Does it give you more confidence in that 40-plus uh, SOI number shortly, or, or are you still thinking that still ways out?
3: Well, so I think uh, great, a great performance on, on the order intake, and of course that gives you confidence to have a, to build on on, uh, on future growth. And and what we like is that it's it's both on uh, the U.S. and international side, both uh, over one time. and so. Like we we spoke about it uh, last quarter, we expect to be in the 30s uh, in Q3, um, and and then you know based on a few factors, securing um, delayed orders, especially on the product international side, uh, as restrictions lift enough and consistently to be able to advance programs that we have in backlog, and then layering around the synergies that that gives us kind of line of sight to, at around 40 now. Um great order intake, but it does take a while to uh ramp up these orders so uh at the end and the average life of of these orders are over several years so uh yes it's it's great at uh, refills. refill the backlog gives us better confidence for the quarter but uh, we'll we'll see a lot of that ramp up uh maybe just the start of that ramp up in q four and uh, the rest for the upcoming years
2: i hey, Cornor what what one thing i wanna just to point out there go back to your previous question there or at least yeah, the first part of this question is that BizJet business, business, uh, training is usually the strongest for us in our Q4. I don't expect that to change. The one thing, as I mentioned, we were impacted like most everybody else in January uh, with a lot of instructors off with the COVID-related uh, sickness. But you know, we're having a strong shorter and we're back on trend.
5: That's helpful, Mark. And actually, on the defense, uh, I wanted to ask you another question on, on L3 Harris. It, it showed some sequential improvement in margins. So I'm just kind of wondering, is there some seasonality to that margin, uh,
2: or was there any synergies that you kind of realized early on? Uh, yes, on the synergies. we are the synergies come through. Uh, and I guess what I would say is, you know, I've always said in defense, it's just no different, uh, one quarter does not make a year, it's always been lumpy. I will expect it to remain lumpy, but you are seeing some synergies come through.
3: Yeah, but just, I'll just add, Mark, uh, you know, we've ramped, we're ramping up the integration efforts. Uh, there were some redundancies actions, consolidation efforts, et cetera. So you're see, starting to see uh, some of those synergies flow through, and and depending on where those synergies lie, because they could lie in the organic or, or the inorganic basis, it, it will drive some volatility. In this case, uh, it, it, it fell more on the inorganic side, uh, but to, to Mark's point, that can drive some volatility in the quarters and so in between. But uh, essentially, that's uh, um, the synergy starting to come through.
5: Great. I uh, appreciate that. Thank
6: you.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from Sadi Shamoon of BMO. Please go ahead.
6: Good afternoon, and thanks uh, for taking my question. Again, around the margin, uh, Sonia, you know, you are talking about 65% incremental margin this quarter. Um, is there a reason why you can't sustain this level of incremental margin going forward? I'm just kind of triangulating a little bit. You still have low utilization travel recovery, still in the early stage, and that training network typically have very high incremental margin. Is that the right framework to think about the aviation business in the next few years as you... Kind of move up that utilization curve. Uh,
3: we're, we're also starting, we, we see the the obviously the mix from business jet, uh, which which helps on the mar, uh, on the margins, and and that mix will vary, uh, especially as we hopefully see CAT uh, appreciating on the margins as well. But you're right. The 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 operating um, we're starting to see the operating leverage on the utilization kind of flow through, and also a big chunk, uh, a significant part of cost savings now. The 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 slope on those cost savings will will start to slow, but it'll just kind of continue to um, to uh, help on the operating margin. So on on the operating leverage rather. So uh, you know I think it's a it's a very good performance, and you know like Mark said, we we see this uh, with volume contributing to uh, exceeding prior pre pandemic peaks.
2: Don't forget, Fatty, of course that. Uh the future revenue will include a greater proportion of full-flight simulator uh, deliveries and ab initio kind of work or, or park aviation kind of work. So that is a different margin profile. So you can't obviously you know, consider it's all trading revenue. So yes to your incremental margin, but certainly not straight line, right?
6: Okay. Okay. That's, um, that's helpful. Um, the follow-up question is on um, the... Uh, the air mobility market, the E-VTOL market, I guess you're dabbling in it. You have some some partnerships kind of coming through right now. I'm just trying to understand like, what exactly you're helping these partners, like uh, 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 um, I guess you've got Jaunt and and a couple of others. Uh, what 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 the, what exactly is he involved with these? Um, uh, partners in terms of uh, helping them set up the training, I guess, going into these big launches. And and two, what does this market look like three or five years down the road? Does it does it look like more business aviation where you're providing full turnkey solutions? Um, and if you have any color around what kind of size market are
2: you potentially looking at over the medium longer term? Yeah, thanks for the question. I I think, fatty, the first thing I would object to is the word dabbling. (laughs) We're not dabbling in this market. We definitely, we definitely uh, intend to be a major player in this market. Uh, I think it's a very exciting market. I've said that before. I think it's a market that will materialize, you know, before anybody thinks it does because it's so compelling. Uh, in, in the history of aviation, I'm a bit of history, as I think you know, a bit of uh history buff, and especially in aviation specifically. And what has always stimulated the growth of the aviation is newer power plant technology. And what you have here is new power plant technology, specifically distributed uh, electric uh, power plants and the advanced software uh, systems that permit you to have these very complex vehicles that are inherently unstable to be able to be economically produced so that's why you see a plethora a large large number of these companies coming uh, coming through to produce vehicles of all types to serve this air mobility market so for ski we're not picking winners and losers here in this market what we're doing is we're getting involved in, and, and by the way we have, we it's not uh, yesterday we became involved. I I went to uh, a major conference. What and I say major, an invitation only conference of uh, about four years ago in this in this market it was held in Texas, where where all of the players at that time were getting together, and really saw the potential for this market. So short answer to to going back to your question is that I certainly believe that this market is going to be needing about over 60,000 pilots over the next 10 years. And there's no way that these pilots that are going to fly these vehicles are not going to have to train to a high level uh, in order to operate in the airspace that we have today, in congested airspace, because by definition, these vehicles will fly in and around cities. So they're going to have to be trained. So what you see is us positioning ourselves as the company we are, we can help, first of all, define the kind of training infrastructure and kind of training standards that will be required by training these pilots of these vehicles, working with the companies, working with the regulators, and offering the service, and and as you say, it may be a business aircraft type construct, uh, or it, it may be involving us selling devices. It will be a combination of both. It is being defined today just as this market is being defined today. But, you know, make no mistake, I fully expect us at CA to be a major part of that market.
6: Okay, that's um, great. Uh,
2: You know, maybe the last
6: uh, uh, question. You mentioned about kind of how the aviation demand has been led by North America, U.S., I guess, in particular. Uh, Would not would it kind of it pick up in, uh, in the travel in Asia and some of these markets that still are behind in the recovery be more attractive to you because you tend to do a little bit more wet training or a little bit more turnkey
2: solution in those markets? Well, I think the, the, I think what, what, if you have to look at the overall uh, market for us in training, We've seen business aviation itself, you know, training, doing very, very well. Of course, you know that's all wet. So that's very good. The rest of the world, I think when I point to when the recovery comes back in Asia Pacific, we tend to do, you know, on average a bit more wet in that region. But I think I would point to training and commercial aircraft as a whole, uh, Today, Asia-Pacific is operating, you know, at about 50% than where it was in pre-pandemic. So there's a lot of recovery left to have in that market. Uh, So definitely, I I think that any expansion going back to normal 2019 uh, levels, whether it be wet or being dry, is going to be good for CE. And whether it be Europe, whether it be Asia-Pacific, again, look back at what's happening in the U.S. In the U.S. today, it's it it's a narrow-led recovery. People are scrambling to train their pilots. They're buying more simulators. You look at the recovery in the simulators that we've had uh, just this year relative to last year. It's quite impressive, largely driven by ins- the United States and some in Europe. So ex- imagine that rolling over into Europe and Asia Pacific, and I think there's a large potential for that, and that I think that leads us to where our asset base is today. About 33% of our simulators are about, you know, 54 simulator equivalent units. are in the Americas in uh, Europe, they're about 44%, about 72. In Asia Pacific, 36. What's interesting, though, is you know, as we 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 talked about during the pandemic. We moved simulators, a lot of simulators, and we launched a lot of simulators to go where we thought, you know, using the Gretzky analogy, where the puck was going, where the puck was going, where training demand will be. And no surprise is being led by the United States. So if you look at going into next year, where our simulators are, we're going to have about the same number. An absolute number of similar equip, uh, uh, equivalent units in the Americas as in Europe. So we're seeing we're shifting our asset base to where the demand is. I think that's going to be pretty attractive, and that's impressive, especially considered that we acquired FSC in, in Amsterdam. So inherently, we've added a lot of simulators in uh, Europe itself. So the fact that we're beyond par, I think, is you know a very good move that we've made, uh, guaranteeing the future for us. Okay, thank you. I appreciate
1: the on Mark. Operator, uh, if I could just, just interject for a second here. We still have quite a few people on the line uh, wishing to ask questions, and we'd like to get to uh, all of them if we can. Uh, maybe at this point we would uh, restrict to one or two part questions just so that everybody gets a chance.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from Cameron Dorkson of National Bank Financial. Please go ahead.
7: Yeah. Thanks. Uh, good afternoon. Um, I'll, I'll stick to one question. Um, you know, obviously, we've got maybe a little more visibility, uh, you know, today on how the airlines are going to recover. Maybe there's there certainly some markets that are a little more uncertain. But I guess maybe given that you know greater visibility by by many airlines, um, can you talk a little bit about what you're seeing on, I guess, the potential for outsourcing? Uh, you know, I think one of the issues the last couple years is that airlines just didn't know what their fleets were going to look like and you know when the the market was going to recover but you know as i said there's probably a little more visibility today so i'm wondering if if any of those kind of talks around outsourcing deals have picked up at all
2: well there's definitely again a high volume of conversations occurring and there's contracts occurring and you're seeing that a testimony to the amount of simulators that we've deployed in the united states specifically you know as Pointing in answer to Fatty's question, the fact that we've been increasing the number of simulators, you know, quite substantially in the United States. And and some of that is for business aviation, which is growing. But, you know, another large part of that is for the commercial aviation training network. And, and all of those simulators are going essentially to either new airlines that are starting, which are going straight to an outsourcing model, or to... Air, airlines, including legacy carriers, that are uh, trusting CE with long-term contracts for training. So that's not you know, de facto a, a complete outsourcing, but it is definitely a different trend that you see where airlines, to, to in order to be able to secure the training need that they have on an acute basis, they're willing to, and they're seeing the attractiveness of, of going into long-term contracts with us. So that is a difference. But there is continuing conversation, and you know, I would say that we're certainly not in a steady state. I mean, with, with yeah, there we're maybe uh, better than we were, <laughs> you know, last year. But Omicron has, you know, turned a bit of a monkey wrench into, you know, any kind of steady state in the airline business right now.
7: Okay, no, that's uh, that's helpful. Thanks very much.
2: Thank
0: you. The next question comes from Christian Liuag of Morgan Stanley. Please go ahead.
3: Hey, thanks. Um, uh, Mark, you know, uh, domestic U.S. air traffic had a very steep recovery. So if global air traffic follows a similarly steep recovery, let's say second half of the year, I mean, we don't know, but should it happen? Can you discuss any labor or supply chain constraints that could slow down your ability to meet a potentially roaring demand? Because with the footprint that you have there, it sounds like it should be a pretty good year should we see that air traffic come in.
2: I don't see it. I don't see any certainly. I don't see any uh, kind of parts or related issues that way. Labor, uh, I don't see it. I think that we're well positioned. You know, we spent a lot of time during the during the pandemic, especially the first year. We, if you go back to some of the things I was saying at the beginning, I said we will take advantage of the period that we have of lower demand, at lower demand environment, to optimize our training network. And that's where you see a lot of recurrent and, and permanent cost reduction coming through. But we also said that we keep our powder dry. And powder dry meaning that, I said it right from the beginning, people are not going to give up the freedom they have to travel. And we see that. We saw. We see that in certainly in the domestic flying in the United States. So we're going to see that. And uh, I see no structural, you know, reason uh, that, you know, we will not benefit From that recovery. And you know, when that timeline is, uh, certainly I think the Omicron has likely extended that recovery timeline, maybe, but that'll be measured in months, certainly not in years. So call us very confident in the long term.
3: Thanks, Mark. And if I could squeeze a second question on uh, the Mac here. I mean, in December we finally saw the airworthiness directive from the CAC paving the return to service on the Mac. Are you seeing any acceleration and training activity uh, on the MAX from China?
2: Well, we're definitely seeing training for the MAX. Training for the MAX is at high levels. It has been for a while on the return to service, even before the return to service, as you know, people could see the, re, the you know airplane is going to go back into the sky. So I would just say it's a high level of activity, and, that's, and I per, I foresee that continuing as more and more Maxes are being delivered. Thanks, Mark. And in China, I think what you'll see is that will manifest itself in, in largely in full-flight similar sales.
0: Thank you. The next question comes from Benoit Poirier of Desjardins Capital Markets. Please go ahead.
7: Hi. Good afternoon, and congratulations, Mark, for your prestigious uh, award. Uh, and Mark, we've seen some M&A among the airlines with Spirit and Frontier, any thoughts on whether M&A could slow down or accelerate outsourcing? And
2: would you foresee
7: more uh, M&A activity among the airlines, uh,
2: Mark? Well, I'm not going to predict it. Uh, I'll let let, you inevitably. uh, You know, whatever that kind of event happens, it's usually a catalyst for us to have a discussion with them because the airline itself is looking for new ways of doing things. So, so I think to me, uh, that's where I would leave it. I, you know, I, I can't be a predictor of how much M&A they would have, but certainly there's a lot of opportunity in airline business today. Uh, Perversely it continues to be a number uh, quite a number of new airline starts. And that's good opportunity for us as well, because, you know, we offer a ready-made international, you know, uh, we actually global network of, a, a training solution, so offering them a solution that was never there before. So I think that's good for us.
7: Okay, that's great. And my follow-up is for Sonia. You, you provided great color about the uh, booking for defense, the fact that it, it's been spread out uh, on the global scale. Anything particular to highlight on what drove the big change in momentum during the quarter? And a free cash flow generation? Was there anything unusual in the quarter, or should we expect another strong fourth quarter?
3: Uh, I'll start on the free cash flow. I think it's just very, very strong uh, performance in the quarter with $282 million. That's on uh, strong operational performance, and and as you know, it's a very cash generative business. It's also driven uh, with a solid non-cash working cap reversal in the quarter with uh, over $200 million of, of reversal. And that's really continued uh, persistent focus on working capital, uh, improved collections, conversion of, of uh, work in progress into AR and cash, and, and, and a reflection of higher orders. So higher orders come in with milestone payments and uh, deposits on contract. So, so uh, that, that contributes to a really good performance of free cash flow. And that's despite uh, you know continued cash payments on the restructuring program, which was about $38 million in the quarter. So, so nothing unusual, just strong performance and good uh, reversal uh, of warranty cap. And, uh, you know, we, we've guided to um, continued uh, 100% free cash flow conversion of net income to free cash flow. Now, on your first question, I, I didn't quite hear on the defense side.
7: Oh, just in the sense there's been a big change in the booking for defense. I was curious to get more color about what drove the big change, uh, positive tone in terms of booking uh,
2: with respect to defense, uh, Sonia. Well, maybe I can answer that, Benoit. Uh, look, uh, we it's 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 the big pipeline of orders that we've talked about, the the bids that we have that are waiting for customers to <clears throat> to pull the, the trigger. Really, that's you see a lot of that we. We took the advantage, especially internationally, uh, where, they, you know, right before we clung, we had a period of time there. We could finally start traveling, and people were willing to meet us. So I can tell you, we took our international teams, took the opportunity uh, to really go after it and fill the pipeline, and, and they did. You know, I talked about a defense book to build uh, above one. I can tell you it's well above one and I think they did a very very nice job and and that reverses the trend that we've had uh, that are largely caused by covid that of the of you know the the orders gap in that segment particularly internationally and in the us uh, look i think it's just good work by our teams great work by our teams i love the orders I, as i said it in my uh, in, in the in my remarks that are coming across on all five domains the first prime contract in, in the space domain, the first prime contract in cyber on top of the great wins, like, for example, the initial uh, win that we had there for doing all the training for the, the Luftwaffe in Germany uh, beating a 60-year incumbent. I think it's great work by the teams in defense and working in collaboration, I would say, uh, for example, in that last contract with their colleagues in in the uh, civil so leveraging the full power of, you know, what we like to call as 1CE.
7: Thank you very much for the time.
0: Thank you.
2: Thank you.
7: The, ne-
0: the next question comes from Tim James, TD Securities. Please go ahead.
4: Uh, thanks very much. Good afternoon, everyone. Uh, Mark, congratulations on that uh, that fantastic awards real your accomplishments. Um, having said that, I'm going to save some time here. Actually, all my,
2: my questions have been answered. So thank you. Well, thank you, Tim. Appreciate it.
0: Thank you. The next question is from Anthony Valentini of Goldman Sachs. Please go ahead.
5: Hey, y'all. You got Anthony Valentini on for uh, NOAA today. Thanks for the time. Um, My first question is uh, on the 10% training growth that you guys uh, put out, inclusive of the JVs. I think it's super helpful, and, you know, the investment community is going to welcome that. Uh, metric going forward. I'm curious what that's looked like over the last few quarters, if you can provide it. Um, and even like sequentially, I think would be, would be really helpful. And then my second part for, for Mark, I'm just curious, um, what you think the next catalyst is going to be here for the global recovery, specifically in Asia. Um, I know that you mentioned um, the new variant, but I know we've been having, you know, kind of this conversation on, on these calls for the last few quarters now. Um, is it a matter of us just learning or just in Asia, like us, um
6: learning to live with
5: you know the pandemic or is it an event like the end of the Olympics?
2: Um your colour there would be great. Thanks. Uh, look, I think it's just basically lifting of COVID restrictions. I mean, there the real the real impediment to, to travel uh and, and air goal uh, revenue for us in training is not largely because people are afraid of getting on airplanes. Is because you know people can't go anywhere, or they have to wait. Like for example, in Asia Pacific, in some cases, still up to 21 day, up to 21 days, you know, of you know having to quarantine after you come back. That makes you got to be, you know, you got to want to travel when you have something like that. So to me, it's all tied to the lifting of those restrictions. The great news is, I think that. You know, we're seeing, for example, uh, I don't know, you know, where you are. I think you're in New York, but I mean, here in Quebec, we're seeing lifting of all, you know, essentially all restrictions here in Quebec by the end of March. I think that's a very positive news. Uh, Doesn't do much for air travel, but I mean, it's an indication. We're seeing European countries, uh, literally one by one, basically calling an end to restrictions. That's going to be the catalyst. So ultimately, I think that's what we got to see in Asia, Asia Pacific. And uh, you know, I'm I'm not a government employee. I can't tell you when that's going to happen, but I, inherently, I know it will happen. So, barring any new variants, hopefully not. But I mean, I'm I'm optimistic that uh, we're on a good we're on a good trend here. Okay, Hello, Anthony. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The first part of my question oh, another, yeah, uh, yeah, you had another question, yeah, on the, on the, uh, the JV uh, revenue. Uh, yeah. I think uh, Sonia can give it, yeah.
3: Yeah, so, so 10% including, so training growth, including uh, the contributions for JV, I don't necessarily have uh, uh, the last quarter on hand because there's a couple of different elements. But I, what I would say is the higher because because obviously you see the utilization and we saw a really nice ramp-up um, on, on uh, certain regions where we have, uh, joint ventures, but we can get back to you with the
1: numbers. Okay, great, thank you. Great, thank operator. You. It looks, um, it looks like we've uh, run out the hour. I do want to uh, still use a couple minutes if we can uh, for members of the media. if there any questions from members of the media?
0: As a reminder, via the phone lines, you may press the one followed by the four on your telephone keypad to register a question or comment. Once again, the one followed by the four. The first question comes from Stéphane Roland of La Presse canadienne. Please go
2: ahead. Oui, bonjour Monsieur Parent, merci de de prendre ma question. Um, Je je me demandais, vous avez parlé justement du Air Mobility, Uh, j'imagine c'est le taxi aérien puis que vous euh, vous croyez que ça allait débloquer plus rapidement que les gens pensent. Euh, Est-ce que
5: vous pouvez me donner un peu plus de de, de commentaires par rapport à votre impression? Qu'est-ce qui vous fait dire euh, que ça va débloquer plus rapidement, puis dans
7: quel horizon on pourrait voir ça arriver?
2: Moi, comme je disais, je crois définitivement que ça va arriver plus vite que les gens pensent. Euh, premièrement, l'impression est est basée sur le fait que je pense que personne s'attend vraiment à à, à voir ça arriver. qu'il y a beaucoup de gens qui sont pas dans le domaine, qui n'ont pas encore vraiment entendu parler de ces euh, fameux taxis aériens. Effectivement, c'est de ça qu'on parle. Euh, Mais c'est parce que moi, et et d'années que je suis dans le domaine, je je suis au courant, je je suis très proche du développement de, de tous ces différents appareils-là un peu partout à travers le monde. Il y en a qui sont très proches de nous. Euh, exemple, euh, il y a part, notre partenaire Beta. Beta, qui sont ici, juste à Burlington, au, au sud de Montréal, qui ont de, d'ailleurs euh, des, euh, un bureau ici à l'aéroport de Montréal, pas loin de nous, où ils occupent des ingénieurs, entre autres, euh, ici à Montréal. Fait que là, eux, volent leur leur, leur taxi aérien, si on veut si les appeler ainsi. Euh, et... Euh, C'est un c'est un design qui pour moi va être pouvoir être certifié dans un horizon qui n'est pas très très loin parce que c'est pas tant moi révolutionnaire. On doit arriver et ils ont déjà des commandes. Ils ont des commandes avec des instances gouvernementales dans la défense et ils ont des commandes euh, des, pour des compagnies qui livrent des, des, des euh, du frais comme FedEx, UPS euh, par exemple. Fait que c'est pour ça que je pense qu'on va voir arriver. C'est, des, c'est par définition c'est des véhicules à propulsion électrique. Que c'est très éco euh, énergétique et c'est très euh, euh, silencieux par rapport à disons, un hélicoptère. Fait que pour moi, je vois une, une excellente et oh, une grande opportunité pour nous dans le développement des pilotes, entre autres. Fait que c'est pour ça qu'on est très excité euh, du domaine euh, du texte aérien. Aussi, On était plus aussi dans d'aider les compagnies dans la certification De ces appareils-ci. Puis je pense qu'entre autres, je l'ai dit à, le, à notre dernier appel, je pense que c'est une excellente aussi, ça offre des excellentes perspectives pour Montréal en général, parce qu'on a une grappe, une grappe ici à Montréal qui est, qui est presque sans précédent à travers la planète. Donc, ça offre d'excellentes perspectives pour nos ingénieurs, pour nos, nos, nos techniciens qui sortent de nos écoles. nos nos gens dans le développement logiciel pour participer au développement à la croissance de cette industrie-là. Excellent, merci. Puis peut-être une dernière question si si vous avez le temps. Euh, Ce serait quoi la prochaine étape pour le développement justement de cette filière-là? Est-ce que c'est Est-ce qu'on doit encore développer la technologie? Est-ce qu'on n'est pas plutôt du côté réglementaire là, d'accorder les corridors aériens, de, de, d'établir un cadre réglementaire? C'est quoi la, la prochaine étape pour l'industrie? Les deux, les deux. Ça, ça dépend des appareils. Euh, étant donné que c'est une le, le marché lui-même, ce qu'on appelle un connument encore le taxi aérien, est stimulé par le, la, la, le bénéfice que nous permet cette nouvelle propulsion électrique. Euh, on, voit, on voit des dizaines et des dizaines de différents manufacturiers euh, qui sont en train de développer euh, des, des prototypes. Fait que la première chose, dépendant du prototype, ça va être effectivement euh, dépendre de la certification de ces, ces vehicules la euh, Deuxièmement, effectivement, ça va prendre des de, de nouvelles réglementations pour, pour savoir comment vont s'intégrer ces nouveaux véhicules-là dans l'environnement euh, aérien qu'on a maintenant. Fait que les deux vont être, euh, sont, sont, vont être des, euh, des étapes à franchir dans le développement, mais ça va se faire au, prochain, au cours des prochaines années. Puis moi, je m'attends autour des dix prochaines années qu'on va voir, disons, pour notre industrie, euh, un potentiel d'au moins 60 000 pilotes qui vont être obligés de développer et former pour pouvoir piloter ces nouveaux appareils là. Excellent. Merci. Bonne journée. Merci.
1: Okay, thank operator, you. We'll, we'll conclude the uh, call at this time as we've overrun the hour. I want to thank all participants again for joining us today. Merci um, beaucoup tout le monde à notre appareil de I would remind you that a transcript of the call can be found on CAE's website at CAE.com.
0: Thank you. This does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your lines. Thank you and have a good day.
3: At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward.